I know when you ask me about these injuries, and, and, and I give you my thoughts, if you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me. That's right, Pete. Don't have much to parse from you yet. Scouting combine, media availability was over by the time Russell Wilson got dealt. It is Danny O'Neill. This is the dang apostrophe because, like the dang apostrophe in my last name, I keep hanging around. Hanging around. Hanging around. Kids got alligator blood. Can't get rid of him. I'm not going anywhere. That's right, Mikey McDee. I'm not going anywhere. And in today's edition, we're going to talk to Eddie Francis, who is a longtime Seattle resident, now lives down in Los Angeles. It's the first time that we've We've actually spoken, although at the end of the interview, I'm going to go back and explain to Eddie how we first met and what he taught me about speaking in public, a really important lesson. Is Russell Wilson a villain? In watching the reaction that people have had locally, there's the understanding that Russ wanted this. How much of this he precipitated is is up for review. And I've been trying to think about sort of in the in the exits that stars have taken from our city. In the exits, in the way guys have gone out, it's interesting to see who winds up being loathed for it. Alex Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez was hated. And a big reason for that was because of perceived hypocrisy. Everyone will tell you Alex said it wasn't about the money. Alex actually never really said that. <laughs> like you could go back. Like there were there were things he said, and there were certainly impressions that he gave to reporters about what was important. But you can't. There was no direct quote where Alex said it's not going to be about the money for me. Like he 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 never said it that bluntly. But when Alex left, like he was loathed. Like he became. It was it was only recently that I. I kind of got over where I kind of liked A-Rod when he, when he got together with J-Lo and I thought that he'd kind of settled into, he was making fun of himself a little bit on Fox. I, I'm, I might be out on that, Alex, again. But, so there's the A-Rod exit where persona non grata. There's the Griffey exit where some people were mad. The vast minority of people were mad. Most people were like me who were like, Oh, it stinks. I I hate to see it happen, but it's what Ken wants. And there was, look, our city has, uh, I would say it's a codependent relationship with Ken Griffey, but I'm one of those people for whom Ken Griffey Jr. can really do no wrong. Like, I'm going to love him regardless. I just do. I think I understand him. I I, I could not hold it against him, even though he clearly he clearly didn't want to be in Seattle. He pushed that trade. The only reason the Mariners trade him is because is because he wanted to go somewhere else. Gary Payton didn't want to be traded. Gary was mad about that. And I, I would say that Randy Johnson gets lumped into this as well because that was the team's decision, not Randy's decision. The team decided they weren't going to pay Randy Johnson, which... Well, he went on to win four straight Cy Young Awards, so I think that was a bad decision. Whoever decided his back was on its last legs was crooked as a question mark needs to be thrown out. Is Russell Wilson a villain? He's not He's not being beloved. Like, nobody is characterizing Russell as sort of the, he didn't want this. It's clear. The dude has a no-trade clause. If he didn't want to be traded, he wouldn't be traded. But I don't think there's a hostility for him. 
and maybe it's yet. I, I think we're going to see a lot of schadenfreude, which I exhibit regularly toward the Oklahoma City Thunder. Speaking of that, we're coming up on the we're coming up on their being bounced from the playoffs when I used to slug down and a Red Hook ESB extra special bitter. I don't drink anymore, so I come up with some sort of non-alcohol variant of that when they get eliminated from the playoffs, which is soon, because they stink, which makes me very happy. Is that is it going to be that way with Russ? Is that the way we're going to look at Russell Wilson, which is, eh, be careful what you ask for, buddy, because Denver's pass protection isn't all that great. Or Nathaniel Hackett, offensive whiz kid. Get ready, buddy. You're running the Russell Wilson offense. Yeah, man. He's going to hold onto the ball in the pocket, and he's going to wait, 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 and sometimes he'll get sacked, and sometimes, sometimes there'll be a 40-yard play that comes out of that. I don't know. I'm interested. Maybe Seattle's still trying to figure it out, how mad they are at Russell Wilson. I would say, so far, it seems to me that it is in the relatively healthy breakup stage where you part ways and you don't have any illusions about whether or not that person is the right person for you going forward. And you don't, you don't hate that person. Like, you respect the time you had together. This is me and my college girlfriend. I didn't have any illusions about whether or not that was going to be a long-term pairing. But I really enjoyed the time. It was like a year and a half, maybe going on two years that we'd spend together. I, I care for I like her. I, to this day, I like her. But I didn't want her to be more happy than me. And that's because I'm a petty, small, lame person. But there's there's a little bit of I I don't I don't want to be the one that dies most miserable. Now that's the real world, and I'm exaggerating a little bit of that for effect. But just in general, and especially like say me in my twenties, and when I went a long time without having a girlfriend, like the first year after we were like I was pretty miserable. I was losing the race. There's no doubt I was losing the race. She had another boyfriend that drove me nuts. All all of, all of that stuff. Is that is that how it's going to be with Russ? Where you're like, hey, I, I, I hope he does okay. I, I wouldn't mind it if the Broncos made the playoffs. I just don't want the Seahawks to languish in non-playoff making mode for the next five years before Pete Carroll retires. Or I don't want to see them win a Super Bowl because that will just be like a dagger to my heart. Like that's the healthy breakup stage, as opposed to I hope they win four games. I hope he's miserable. I'm going to troll every photo he takes with his beautiful bride, Sierra. I don't know. You can let me know how you feel about that. Leave it in the comments section. You can post a review. By the way, if you post a review that's particularly funny, I've promised to reward people with t-shirts and or coffee tumblers. I'm not going to beg for stars. I refuse to beg for stars. In fact, there's part of me that thinks it would be funny. Like, if you just get enough zero-star reviews, does that actually hurt you, or do you get the benefit of, hey, people are paying attention, and at least they hate it? Maybe I could have the least popular podcast that's that's out. That's not a very good way to introduce my guest. Eddie Francis, formerly radio host in Seattle, now living in Los Angeles. I think this is the first time we've actually directly spoke. Eddie, I've, I've wanted to talk to you for a long time, and it finally got off got off my butt because Russell Wilson has been traded. And yeah. what's your reaction to it? Uh, first and foremost, it it 
I, it kind of hurt, man. Like mm-hmm. the writing's been on the wall for for quite a quite a while, like a year and some change potentially. And um, I kind of started settling into the fact that okay, even though there where there's smoke, there's fire. Maybe Russell isn't going anywhere. And um, being a Seattleite, and you know, being born and raised, and being a Seahawks fan, we know how hard it is to find a franchise quarterback, and not just a franchise quarterback. Um, someone that's captiva- captivating, someone that's exciting, someone that led us to two Super Bowls, um, uh, two insane NFC Championship game wins. Um, and it was uh, the ride that we had for over the last 10 years was something I've never seen in sports, especially coming off the fact that we lost the Sonics not too long before that. The Mariners have been perpetually horrible, maybe the the most poorly ran uh, professional sports team in all of North America. Um, you know, the Huskies have had moments here and there. Cougars have been, you know, whatever. It was this one shining light in Seattle sports, and he was the face of it. So I, just to give some backstory for people, I've been quite critical of, um, of Russell Wilson, specifically over the last two years, because I noticed what we Seattle fans do is we're always screaming out about the public perception of our favorites. Like, they don't know what's going on in Seattle. And um, I felt like, Seahawks fans kind of coddled Russell like it's like no he's perfect we love everything and I granted we've never seen nothing like that but over the last two years he hasn't excluding like the beginning of uh two years ago like the first half I I held him to a different standard I'm like this is somebody that we consider an elite quarterback and was complaining he has never received an MVP vote and let Russ cook so I was like okay if we're gonna consider him a great we have to have the perception of these great standards. And over the last two years, excluding the beginning of two years ago, he hasn't lived up to those standards. So people were like, you wanted Rush traded. And that, that's not the truth. Not at all. Um, I've been kind of tired of Pete's philosophies. Um, I think the, the, they've been quite stale over the last few years. They've made poor decisions. The draft history, as everyone knows, has been shaky. You don't need me to go into it. Mina Collins does a great job of discussing that. You can follow her on Twitter for all that. But at the end of the day, when it happened, it was a level of caring I didn't think I had anymore. I was like, I think I went through the, what, the seven stages of grief? Mm-hmm. Yeah, seven I, stages. I think I went through them, and I didn't think I cared that much anymore. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Did you get angry? I did. I, I, I legit, because I've always had the, the public persona of Russell Wilson has always been something that rubbed me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And as I dealt with the anger, I found myself getting really mad at that, like, the Halloween pictures and the good man clothing and all these things are just fans being neurotic. You know, Russell has been to me an upstanding um, mm-hmm. Seattleite. He's been great in the community. The things he does with children's hospital, him coming out with the Sonics jackets and everything you've wanted Russell to do with our, within our community. He's done everything we've wanted Russell to do on the football field. He's done, but he's been, he's been boring. Good. He's been boring. He's been he's been boring. It's fake, true. He's a little weird. Fake, yeah, weird, fake, and um. So yeah, like the anger got to me a little bit, and I, and honestly, it hasn't been. It's a little bit over twenty four hours. I still haven't fully processed it yet, and I, I'm scared what the next few years. Of, I mean, not even next few years. The next fifteen years of Seahawks football could look like at the quarterback position for the first time in the in the last decade. I'm like. Oh, we don't we don't have one of the better quarterbacks in NFL, and that's a weird place to be in. It is. It's teams spend years trying to get the guy right, and then they're like, mm-hmm. "Thank God we don't have to be out there again. Thank God we don't have to do." And the Seahawks are like, 
All right, man. You 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 go do your thing in Denver, and we're going to jump back into that. We've got to scramble around and find a quarterback. The you weird... look at. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. It's like you got to look at. We've been spoiled for mm-hmm. all the negative. We've been spoiled. You look at it. You know, teams like the Chicago Bears who've been around since I don't know the 1920s, maybe. They've never had a franchise quarterback. Like up until up until Russell, who's Matt Hasselback? Was he our, our best quarterback? Maybe Dave yeah. Craig. Yeah. Like since 1970, whatever, we've had maybe one legitimate franchise quarterback. So to to just think like, oh yeah, we can get another one, it might not happen. It could not happen for decades. And that's something um I'd be lying to say it. It's not like I have the utmost trust in John and Pete lately to go find that guy. So I'm like, oh, this this is like you'd always count on quarterback. And as we've seen in the NFL, it's become more pass heavy and quarterback led and driven. If you don't have that guy, it's look what the Rams had to do. They had to go get a guy. Look at what the 49ers are trying to do at every position except for cornerback and quarterback. They're like, we're, we're, we're good, but we don't have that guy. If you don't have that guy, you're not. Look at the, the Patriots. Like, Mac Jones seems good, but then you realize, okay, you're not Justin Herbert. You're not Joe Burrow. It's like, we might not have that guy. It was clear, and you mentioned this kind of the past four or five years. It's Seattle's been good, but not great, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they've been they've been good enough that they usually make the playoffs, mm-hmm. but not not a team that's like, hey, that's that you got a real shot at the Super Bowl. They're mm-hmm. kind of got the puncher's chance when they once they get in there. And now the guy that they got rid of is the quarterback, and they're keeping the 70-year-old coach and the and the GM. Did did they keep the right guys? Here, here's how I have to look at it. There's a lot of things that happen within the organization that we're just never gonna know. Mm-hmm. And just from a fan's perception and from other things I hear and see Russell didn't want to be here so I think as fans we don't have to look at it like they might have made the wrong choice they might have made the only choice you're you're dealing with a a guy that had a no trade a no trade Mm -hmm. clause yep who was still under contract who we're just going to go ahead and believe didn't want to be here any longer it might not have been like okay we picked John and Pete over Russell it's like we might not get anything for this guy because he seems like he might be checked out and then whatever his contract, he might not sign again. So I, w- I went through that too. Like, yo, the 70-year-old dude, the GM who can't get a first-round draft pick since when that, like Bobby Wagner maybe, it's like, why did we pick then? And then as I remove myself, they might not have another option. And what my, my concern beyond, and also losing Bobby, yeah. my concern with beyond the Russell thing is, and I think everyone has this, what's going on with ownership? That was the thing that separated us. Once we got Paul Allen post the Nordstrom's and Ken Baring and all that, Paul Allen was the true guiding light to turn this whole thing around. Um, he's an avid sports fan, someone that wanted to be in the Northwest. He cared about this. He went and got John and Pete. He went and got uh, Mike Holmgren. Like, he cared. And ever since his passing, I don't know if this organization is in the right place from the top down. And all the great organizations, like, you know, we always default to the the cream of the crop. It's your Steelers and your your New England Patriots. What do they all have in common? It's a, it's a great ownership group. And that might be what people aren't thinking about that could be the biggest flaw in this football team. How should Seattle fans feel about Russ going forward? Do you 
root for him to have success, but maybe not as much success as the Seahawks. Do you root for him to sort of find out how hard the other half? How are you approaching? Are you wishing Russ the best? Or are you thinking like, man, I hope you find out how good you had it here? Let me be clear with what I'm saying here. I try to keep everything within the spectrum of strictly sports. Sports, right. Strictly. Okay. A a lot of fans are fanatics. Right, right. I'm not like, I wish in his personal life, the very best things to happen to Russell Wilson. On the field, I want him to be terrible. (laughs) I want it to look like we made the right decision by by moving this guy because over the line, like, okay, these were red flags. What's going on with Russell's play? Maybe it was a broken finger. Maybe he just doesn't have – maybe it's the, the, the lack of mobility that he – I want him to be awful. I want him to take 50 million sacks. I want him to be the fourth best quarterback in the AFC West. I want it to be terrible. And then what I want 10 years from now, I want him to go up in the ring of honor with everybody else from the Legion of Boom. Like, maybe not everybody, but, you know, Richard mm-hmm. Sherman – Cam Chancellor, I want Bobby to come back. God willing, hope Pete's alive until he's 150. I want all those people to come back and we have those memories and we celebrate and we get a statue and all that. But for the for the rest of his playing career, I would like it if he's awful. Personally, me, because I'm petty like that. <laughs> you have the choices because there's, there's the sort of, hey, hope you do well, but not better than us. Mm-hmm. And then there's the like, I wish you unending misery. Like I mm-hmm. and, and just strictly in the sports sense, because that was sports. that was, when a rod left. Right. That was mm-hmm. it. It was like, I don't want you to have nice things ever again. And Very true. And then when a rod paired up with J-Lo, I was kind of like, it's like an age appropriate partner. It mm-hmm. seemed like I kind of liked him. But now he's I, 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 I might be out on a rod again. When Griffey left, I wished I genuinely hoped that Griffey was going to be happy. Like, I, I love Ken Griffey. I always always like I'm not sure about Russ yet. I know I that. I know that I'm going to enjoy making fun of him. Oh, yeah, because that was always the thing holding me back. Like, all the things that Russell did that were corny to me, I was always like, "Mm, I'm not going to say nothing. And that's how I would say to people, like, that's my quarterback. Like, I would do the whole Terrell Owens thing. It's like, yeah, it's kind of like that cousin that just is like, why are you doing this to me? And he would always make me cringe with the photo shoots and the colognes. But I'd be like, that's my quarterback. And all that matters is what he does on the field. But now I unfollowed him yesterday. I don't have to have that in my life. It was embarrassing for me. So, yeah, Russell Wilson is like, he's out of my life. Like, it's a it's a girlfriend situation. Like, I don't want no, I don't want to see him happy. I want bad things on the field to happen to him. Do you think he's that big a dork in real life? Like he's, I do. He's clearly got a personal sort of brand that he promotes. Do you think he's a dork, though? He's a dork. I have a really good dork radar. I, 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 really, like, I really do. Like, I can, I, can, I can smell BS from people. And I'm like, Russell Wilson is a dork. Is he... Better football than I'll probably ever be in anything. Yes, is he rich? Does he have a beautiful family? Do I do I wish him eternal happiness? Yes, but to me, and this is this is the weird thing with sports fandom. We have this weird resentment. We're always trying to find reasons why we're better than these millionaires that that have seemed to have like these great lives, lives. And he's a dork. Like he just is a dork. He's just a dork that's really really good at football. That was always kind of endearing. There was a, it was after the Super Bowl loss to the Patriots, and he took his Alaska Airlines charter flight and he took the team out to Hawaii. Hawaii, yeah, I remember that. And he shows up and he had dad jeans on. Yep. And I was yep. just like, yeah, yeah Russ. Yeah. yeah, man, that's just your style. Like the, he, he did, it was, it was very funny. When he was a rookie, it's one of the only times that I saw him co- sort of slip out of his public persona character. Mm-hmm. Mike Robb had a cooler set up in the locker in the locker room, 
And if you lifted up the cooler, there was like a, sn- a rubber snake. And they, mm-hmm. they geared it so it was dangling from the lid. So it kind of came up and shook. It looked freaky. Like it didn't mm-hmm. like lunge out at you, but it definitely looked freaky. Like Brandon Browner, he opened it up and shrieked like full mm-hmm. on like, ah! And Russ walked in there and he kind of looks around and he goes, there's something in that. <laughs> and then he's just like, I better, I played baseball too long to fall for that. And, and he kind of saw it. I was like, oh. That was like Russ being like a a, a normal average, like yeah. a, a somewhat alert. But that that definitely wasn't. He's mostly the guy eating football shaped bread. Eat the yes. ball. Yes, yeah. And then, here's my question for you, someone who's who's really close to Seattle sports. What do you think of what we viewed as fans as there was a dividing faction with the Seahawks, with Russ on this side and Pete, and everybody on the defensive side in post that Super Bowl, like the following year, it felt like Pete had a decision to make. It was like, these guys don't seem like they like Russell and they're not buying in. And it felt like, yo, I'm making a decision to go with the quarterback and these, we got to start younger with these defensive guys because they're not buying into this Russell Wilson thing. Yeah. Is that real? Yeah, that was real. And some of it, some of it's related to Russ's personality. Mm-hmm. Quarterbacks are weird. Like, they, mm-hmm. quarterbacks are quasi-management within a locker room. And the difference with Russ was Russ came in and he was the same age with less NFL experience than most of those dudes on the defense. Mm -hmm. So they saw him as a peer. Like they saw him as he's one of our group. And at first Russ wasn't the best at his job. Like yeah, he the was, dude, the dudes on wouldn't defense. Have benched. Yeah, I wouldn't have benched him at first, like his rookie, the first half. Right. If they would have benched him after four games, nobody would have complained about that, mm-hmm. right? Like they, it looked like they had a a really good defense, and the offense was sputtering. And Russ doesn't relate to his teammates like their peers, and mm-hmm. that's not unusual for a quarterback. But it really stuck out, I think, in part because of the circumstances that they were kind of the same age in part because a lot of those players had such dominant strong personalities. I mean, mm-hmm. they had a lot of they had a lot of dudes that are sort of alpha personalities and he he didn't see them as peers. He'd give them he'd give the wide receivers notes and I I, I there was a divide because of that. Mm-hmm. And I think there was also the reality in the NFL is that quarterbacks play for so much longer. So as those as Sherman and Cam was always Cam and Marshawn were two guys that were pretty supportive of Russ, but Sherm to some extent, Doug Baldwin, mm-hmm. kind of some of those other M- Michael Bennett was always pretty supportive of Russ. But mm-hmm. as as those guys kind of progressed, they they saw that they were approaching the end of their time or the end of their elite run, and they realized that they weren't ever going to get back to the Super Bowl or that their their best chances had come. And I. I think there was some resentment because they knew that Russ was the guy that it was going to be built around in the future. Like, I, I, I do think that was real. The question I have is, as, as those guys started leaving, did the Seahawks decide, like, okay, we're not having any crazy dudes anymore. Like, no more. Like, Richard Sherman was awesome, but he was so hard to manage. And yeah. Michael Bennett was so hard to manage, so they got more boring players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you had some nuts dudes. Mm-hmm. And per- I mean, we're not even talking about Percy Harvin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just handing out black eyes. Yeah. He was, he was, I, I've always wondered that. Like, you had to be pretty crazy to be too crazy for the Seahawks. Like, you had- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we, that's what we did. Like, we took, took on those personalities and it worked great. At it first, did. it was, it was it awesome did. and the city was a buzz. And then 
as everyone has pointed out at this point, ever since that Malcolm Butler interception, yeah, it's it, the dynasty died that day. Yeah, and it 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 carried over into the next. I mean, it, we didn't need a, a, who wrote that article that talked about it, but it's almost like. We all knew without knowing, like, oh, this team was different since then. Yeah. Cam held out. He had Marsh Marshawn was upset still about his contract. Mm -hmm. Everybody was mad Marshawn didn't get the ball. It mm -hmm. it was hard. Like the depth of the dysfunction was there were some dudes because Russell went on HBO Sports mm -hmm. and talked about sort of kind of tried to take ownership of the interception, which it wasn't his fault. And mm -hmm. there were some guys that were like, Well, he's only doing that because he knows it's not his fault. You're like, oh man, you guys are you guys are in it right now. Like you can't you're mad at him even though he's saying it was his fault, just because mm -hmm. people it was it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking how it happened. Um I'll be interested to see. I don't I don't know if the Seahawks are gonna go out if they have another quarterback they're gonna get. Like, do they do they have somebody lined up right now? Because they they didn't get one in this deal. They didn't get a path to one. Or if they're going to go back and and sort of say, hey, we're going to try to do what we did in 2010. We're going to get a big bunch of young guys, and we're going to see how they come together and see if we can. It. I I don't know if Pete's got it in him, but it sure looks like a rebuild to me. And I don't understand why what a 70 year old would want a rebuild here. And the reality of it is, they're not done making moves yet. Like yeah. what. It looks like they're clearing out a lot of salary, mm -hmm. so a lot of salary is going to be available. And as of when we're having this conversation, there's rumors of the whole Deshaun Watson thing. And just to be clear, that's a way bigger discussion than I'm ready to try to have right now. Like we're talking about someone who has not one, not two, but a lot of sexual assault allegations. And I know people will say they're strictly allegations and who knows what. Look, we're not we can't have that conversation right now. It just. Maybe there is some kind of they're trying to find a free agent quarterback. The free agent quarterbacks is like who who's left? Jameis Winston, if we're not talking about Deshaun Watson. Um, the draft class seems like it's not the best QB draft no, class right now. It's not. Um, Drew, is it who's the, Drew Locke? Drew Locke. We know he's not the answer. I'm surprised we didn't try to get Jerry Judy or uh or um Sertan or something like like a player. I, I'm and some draft picks. Yeah, I'm betting Seattle did, and they weren't they weren't willing to budge. Um, but yeah, that's I I wondered if it was going to be there are three dudes on that team: Chubb, Judy, and 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 Sertain, who who would step in and be. And none of the guys they got. Noah Fant's pretty good, but he's not on the level of those three. What do you? What did you? Because we talked about my emotions. You might have already talked about it, but I'm just kind of curious. How did you feel when you when you got when you as you got the news? It's official. How'd you feel? Holy crap, they did it. Uh -huh. And because I, I kind of I thought it was more likely than not that they were going to trade him. I, it was mm -hmm. holy crap, they did it. And and then I started wondering who who are they going to get. And then I immediately kind of thought I was like, that's not a team they're going to get a quarterback. Like they're not going to get a path to a quarterback from that. Mm -hmm. They're so. I think you're right about this isn't a decision they made because they wanted to move on from Russell Wilson. This is the decision they made because Russ wants to do something different. I, I, I genuinely got curious about this team for the first time in a while. Like, wow, I, wonder, I really wonder how they're going to do because I think that they've been pretty predictable for the past five years. They've got a good enough quarterback that they can always be good. They're for whatever reason, they haven't gotten young guys involved on their defense and become good enough on defense to really be a candidate again, to to really be a Super Bowl team. So I got curious. I was like, and maybe this does sort of give Pete 
Because I would agree. I don't understand a 70-year-old coach deciding to to rebuild, but Pete's a different dude. And I could see him deciding, like, okay, you know what? This For my last run, before I, I'm done with coaching, I want to see if I can do it again. Can I, can I put a group together like I did before and get back to the top that way? Mm-hmm. So I got, I got kind of – I'm curious about how it's going to come out. Um, and I'm interested to see – I'm interested to see is Russell as good as he thinks he is. Like that's, that's very – because this clearly – above all else, this is driven by Russ feeling he didn't get the keys to the car. He, they, when, he, when he got mad last year, they didn't say, okay, Russ, we'll do whatever you want to make you happy. They, they had another year, and they didn't do as well, and then they're like, okay, Russ, you're not happy. You'll, you'll move on. If, when he gets the keys, I saw your tweet, which made me laugh because they got a new coach. This is like, mm. he's going to bring in his offense. No, buddy. You're, uh-uh. Running, uh-uh. you're, you're running the Russell you're, Wilson you're, offense. We've, we've learned this over the decade. Like, we've we've done the whole, we're going to new, we're going to get Bevel, and we're going to get, <laughs> I, I can't even remember all the names. Then when Waldron came in, we're going to get a Rams offense, and it, it, nope. it always turns. And you know what the biggest eye-opener was for me? It was when Russell got hurt. And Geno Smith is not even in the same conversation as Russell Wilson as far as quarterbacks in the NFL, career-wise, on a day-to-day, like, whatever. But there were moments where you're like, oh, this is what an offense is supposed to – like, and I'm not saying he's better, but it was just like play calls, quick slants, da-da-da-da, and it just – it wasn't so boom or bust. When our yeah. offense was always like it had to be a big player, Russell Scrambling, or da-da-da-da, but, like, all the, like, little efficient things that are off – like, when you watch a Patrick Mahomes and you watch an Aaron Rodgers, you watch a Tom Brady – and this is who I could this this is why I'm critical of Russell Wilson because Seahawks fans, this is who you we've all said Russell is. This is who Russell considers himself. This is what we as fans are always screaming the media doesn't recognize Russell as. So I'm comparing him to his peers, and his peers are those guys. So when I see them, seven yards, six yards, twelve yards, fourteen yards, two yards, and I see them methodically drive downfield, and I'm not saying Russell doesn't do it, but more often than not, it was these three and outs him running seven yards backwards, and then, oh, we got a 40-yard play. And a few times I watched Geno Smith, and I'm like, oh, this is probably what Shane wants to do. But because Russ is Russ, he doesn't have the opportunity <laughs> to actually implement this. He's going to hold on to the ball. He's going to run around. Yeah, it is. You got the Russell. Denver's going to have the Russell Wilson offense. All right, Man, Eddie. And they're not. Their offense is like 20th ranked against the pass yes. as far as like blocking. So yes. it's like. You're you're in a similar situation again. <laughs> he is. He's gonna get sacked. It's gonna happen. All right, Eddie. So I I got two things to ask you before we're done. Neither has to do with the Seahawks. Okay. One, Boba Fett. <sighs> Bro, so listen. I'm a nerd. I'm a comic nerd. I'm a Star Wars nerd. I love nerdy stuff. And uh, you know, fresh off the Mandalorian. Oh, I was like, oh. Then the Mandalorian season two. And I watched Star Wars cartoons, so they were giving me Ahsoka and, like, all these other... I'm like, oh, this is... Then Boba Fett shows up. I'm like, oh, this is great. Because, okay, real quick, hindsight. If For younger people listening to this podcast, Boba Fett was the most hyped-up character in the history of media. Like, Boba Fett was a toy before mm-hmm. you ever saw him on... What was it? Return of the, uh, the, the uh, Empire Strikes Back. Before you ever saw him on Empire Strikes Back, he was, like, previewed, and they put him in cartoons. And so everyone was like, yeah, 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 here we go. Boba Fett, he's the greatest-looking character ever. And he had, like, all of, like, four lines in two movies, and he's killed, and Sarnak picking all that. So it was like, damn, like, he was historically the most overhyped character in the history of, like, media. So he gets his little 
Season two, The Mandalorian, you're like, oh, he's badass, finally. This is going to pay off. So I'm ready to watch Book of Boba Fett. And it was a snooze fest. Here's the problem, because now you got me going. You have a bounty hunter, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the, one of the most feared bounty, who was raised, he was, he was created in a Petri dish to be a bounty hunter by his father, Jenga Fett. Saw his dad get decapitated by a Jedi from him. Would hunt Jedis. He, this dude was on a vengeance tour his whole life, right? But one of the most ruthless people in the history of Star Wars. And you're like, ooh, bounty hunter Boba Fett. Sarlacc pick. You're like, oh, yeah, he's going. He get, ooh, he's about to, now all of a sudden you find out he's about to be a crime lord. He's taking over from, from you're like, oh, man, this is. And then they turn him into a complete weenie. <laughs> He's a complete, like, people punking him left and right on his own show. And it's like, bro, not only you're bounty hunter, now you're supposed to be a crime lord, too? And they just, bro, like, my dog got neutered, like, a few months ago. They neutered Boba Fett. Like, he is not, what, I do not reckon, and they tried to give him, like, a little cute backstory with the, with the sand people and all that. And it was just like, I wasn't buying it, man. Like, as someone that, I wasn't young enough to remember when his, his first whole lead up, but someone that understands the history of who Boba Fett is. Whoever, Kathleen Kennedy over Star Wars, they're doing it. And I thought with my guy, um, John Favreau, mm-hmm. with um, Dave Filoni, who's there's a great Star Wars, like he, him, him and uh, George Lucas are like neck and neck with like understanding of the Star Wars universe. I thought he, they, they but they did a terrible job with Boba Fett, and I'm pissed. <laughs> it's watching your Boba Fett hate has been one of my favorite things on Twitter. It's it's actually redeemed the show. The show is entirely worthwhile simply because I've been able to watch you react to how weak he is. Did you have okay? Did you have a similar understanding of Boba Fett yes. when you watched it? You're like, what the hell is this? I, and and my reaction was similar to yours. I it probably wasn't as I wasn't as angered by it, but that's a reflection on that I wasn't a demanding enough viewer because he is. Mm-hmm. Like yes, Boba Fett was, and I'm old enough. I do remember saving up the little proofs of purchase to mail mm-hmm. away for the character. And getting him, and then when he was in the movies, you're like, he didn't really, he didn't do that much, but he mm-hmm. was still pretty intimidating. He was the guy mm-hmm. that showed up to haul Han Solo's frozen ass mm-hmm. off to to Jabba the Hut, and mm-hmm. like, he is, he's a bounty hunter. He's the most, he is the one that would. There's no moral compass for him. He's straight, nope. and yeah, he's sorry. The, the show, Darth Vader had to tell him, like the first thing you when you see him, he was like, bring him in alive. Like Darth, like I know you will kill him. So don't kill them. Yes. Yeah. And and what what came out of that? And especially like in the in the Mandalorian when they found his armor and you realize mm-hmm. that he survived the pit, you're like, oh, yeah. oh, it takes a tough man to survive that. Maybe that maybe the pit just took all the starch out of him. It, it had to. And I try not to be those. I'm angry at the IP that I yeah. loved for not being what I wanted it to be as a child. But it was just bad. Like it was Boba Book of Boba Fett was bad. Second thing, I'm going okay. to see the new Batman tomorrow night. Okay. So, I'm in the minority. Okay. I am one of the few, and I'm not even saying my opinion is right. What I am saying, without spoiling anything, if you haven't seen it, seen it, it made $158 million. Yeah. If, look, bro, I have a, a Batman painting behind me. I had someone paint me a bat- Batman. I love Batman. Batman is my favorite superhero, and I love superheroes. I found it boring. Me. Three hours. Um, and I get what they were trying to do. They're trying to do a, a gritty new Batman. And it's like, bro, every Batman's a gritty new Batman. Like they all are. 
every one of them has been sold as that. I was there in 89 as a little kid when it was the biggest thing. New, gritty Batman. It's like, oh, it's gritty. And then whenever the Batman begins, people just think Dark Knight was the first one. It's like Batman uh, begins. Up in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Rise Al Ghul. You're like, gritty Batman. It's grittier. And then Dark Knight, Dark Knight rises. Love him. Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies of all time. Dark Knight's great. Uh, and I was never one of those people that was anti-Robert Pattinson. I was never like, oh, I don't want Edward Cullen. So part of me is happy that it's successful. I will go see a sequel. I just am one of the people that didn't love the direction of like a new, gritty, dark Batman all over again. I, 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 another unpopular opinion. I enjoy Ben Affleck's version of Batman. I don't hate that. I, I, like, didn't, I didn't hate Ben Affleck's at all. I didn't like I didn't like Batman versus Superman at all, but I thought his Batman was solid. His Batman like was the Batman I've always wanted to see on screen. Like he's just like brute force Mm -hmm. taking people out, crazy, insane action. And there are moments in this new Batman um, movie, but oh, I I wouldn't have seen it at a movie theater, and I probably won't watch it again. But I'll watch a sequel. Last thing, Eddie. I don't know if you remember the first time we got in touch on Twitter, but it was a while ago. And it okay. was, I was reading a Trivial Pursuit card. I think I was working with Mike Salk at that point. Okay. And there was an old time, it was a nickname for a boxer from Boston. And it was an old time racial slur that I did not recognize. <laughs> I do remember this. I remember this. And I read it. Yes. And as it came out of my mouth, I realized that like, oh God, that probably was total that's not okay i had not recognized it before and then i i was legitimately shook for i about, hear it i was legitimately shook for about two and a half minutes on the air where i wasn't sure what to do like what the hell just happened i didn't i didn't say it i read it it was off uh-huh. of like and they had it was like an old trivial pursuit game that they had in there yep, i remember this now and when it got all done like it was yeah, it was, it was a weird thing that happened to me on the air. Mm-hmm. And there was two things, but there was one thing you said specifically that resonated with me and taught me a lot because I think I reached out to you afterward. Mm-hmm. But you had, you, you had said, whoever was hosting this morning, I heard this happen. You could tell that the guy was actually shook that it happened. Mm-hmm. And then you said it would have been nice to hear an apology. And I've always carried that with me because that was one of the most helpful things in terms of when you screw up, how you handle it. Because in that moment, I was, I was legitimately like, oh, I feel terrible I said that. Mm-hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't intend to say something like that. And I don't really know how to go about expressing it. And knowing that like when you do something like that, especially in a public setting like that, because I was pretty new to radio. I, I, I don't yeah. even think I've been working full-time for a year. That saying you're sorry is... I, it, it helped me understand sort of how to be someone who speaks in public. And I was mm-hmm. always extremely grateful, A, that you were super understanding to someone you had not met and didn't react like, oh, this person... Because it was a terrible thing that happened. Like that you, that you had some, some compassion and some empathy, but that, that piece of advice, which is, is ultimately how I took it has helped me so much over the years of like, when you screw up, say, sorry, 
And mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with when you are like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Like, I'm really, I'm really sorry I said that. That wasn't, I, that's not something I'll ever do again. Um, it was really helpful for me. So I do remember that. And um, I was empathetic because I had a similar situation happen to me where I said something on the radio. And, and just for context for people, we, I've been talking on live radio for my whole adult life. And you're always trying to almost think of your next thought before you say it. And if you talk on live radio enough, you are going to say something that will not be interpreted the way you mean to say it. And sometimes it's your fault and mm-hmm. you don't realize it. It's like, and I'm not saying you do that in this situation, mm-hmm. yeah, no. but I had, I had one particular situation where I said something about the mil- the military and I'm not going to go on what I actually said, but my intention and how my words were perceived were two different things. And I was shook. I was in a similar situation like you, like I didn't want to talk on the, I got a, my shift was still going and I didn't want to talk on the radio anymore. Like I was damn near shaking like, oh man, this is, this is kind of escalating. This is not, this is not what I meant. So when I heard you that day, it was like, oh, I've been there. And what's important to me, especially nowadays. And you know, everyone talks about cancel culture and that's a whole different conversation. But what I care about more than anything is people's intent. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes the words and the intent don't line up. So when I heard how shook you were, I was like, oh, I know what his intention was. The words didn't match his intention. And I'm not saying let's forgive everybody because some people are just saying awful, horrible things all the time. Um, but I think sometimes you know, and we need to grant leniency for people when their intention might have been pure, but their actions might not have been. So as someone who had had a similar experience, I was like, oh, man, let me let me find this guy. Let me reach out, man, because I can hear. I felt it. I was like, oh, I've been here. I know exactly what this feels like. And I wish somebody would have helped me because I was shook, too. It it did. It helped me a ton. And I think what you said about intent, intent is really important. And it doesn't mm. just because you don't intend something to hurt does, doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. And it doesn't mean yeah. you don't owe an apology. But mm. the ability to say, oh, man, that came out wrong or. I didn't realize I didn't realize how that would affect someone else. I, I mm-hmm. I'm gonna change my the ability to say sorry is is the step toward sort of acknowledging and and sort of telling someone that hey I, I didn't I didn't mean to do that and whether it was out of ignorance or mm-hmm. just out of sort of misspeaking. Um so I, I've I've always I've always been really grateful to you. And I learned something really important about talking in public. Um so I I, I, awesome, I, I appreciated it, man. Yeah, I completely forgot that's how our interaction started. <laughs> but that, that that's funny. That's good. I remember I was like driving to work or something. Like that's dope, man. That's cool. And like we get to come full circle with it all. Yeah, Eddie, this is awesome to talk to you. Um, I, I I I really do appreciate it. I'd love to do it again sometime. Man, man, never. Just give me a call, man. I'm down. All right. That wraps up our third episode this week. Yeah, that's right. Russell Wilson gets traded. We put together a lineup of hits for you. I want to thank Eddie Francis for joining us. You can follow him at YourBoyEddie on Twitter. He is a, a very worthwhile follow. I want to thank you for listening. Please do rate or review. Again, I'm not going to beg for stars. But if you leave a funny review, I will reward you with stickers, T-shirts, coffee tumblers, whatever. Just take a picture, send a quote, let me know where your review was, and I will recognize it accordingly. It is the dang apostrophe, and I am Danny O'Neill. I know when you ask me about these injuries, and, and, and I give you my thoughts, if you really want to figure it out, I think Danny O'Neill has the best uh, translations for me. Here.